Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Happy Sunday, FCBC family. It is a joy and a pleasure to worship with you on this glorious Sunday morning. It is definitely a gift. Today is a gift. It is a gift that God has given us, and we ought not devalue the gift. We ought to appreciate it and thank God for it every day. So this is the day that the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Before I move forward, I want to remind us of an announcement that was already made, and that is this Thursday at noon. At noon on this Thursday, we'll have the senior check-in call with myself. Uh, We did one a couple of weeks ago, and it was amazing. It was an opportunity for me to connect with some of our seniors and from some of our seniors to ask me questions or just have general conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I look forward to the next one this Thursday at noon. Before we move forward, FCBC family, you know we like to declare our purpose statement. And for those of you who may be tuning in with us for the very first time, this is a time when we pause to declare the words that really shape our identity, not just as members of FCBC, but as those who believe in God and follow and honor the teachings of the carpenter, Jesus. And so let's declare those words together. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And for those of you who are watching us for the first time, if you can't remember everything I just said, We have three words that we like to share. We call them our core values. What are they, family? Live, love, serve. Today, I want to look at a particular passage of scripture found in the Gospel of John. I think it is one that is appropriate for this day and for this season. It is found in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 34 and 35. I want to read uh, these words for you. And again, in the New Revised Standard Version, and then in the Message Bible. The NRSV reads it this way, and these are the words of Jesus. Jesus is speaking here. And this is what the carpenter says. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then in the Message Bible, it reads this way. Let me give you a new commandment, love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Come on, family, let's let's pray together. God, we thank you for this day. We honor you, O God, for this is a day that you have given us, a grand and glorious day. 
We pray, oh God, that you will continue to allow the sufficiency of your grace, the enduring nature of your mercy, and the covering capacity of your love to abide with us on today. God, we lift up before you now those persons, O Lord, who even now find themselves grieving and mourning because of the loss of loved ones, friends, family. We lift them up, O God. We lift before you our frontline workers, our healthcare workers, O God, but not just them, postal workers, O God, those who are making deliveries, those who are working in our grocery stores, in our supply stores, in plants, and on farms, those who are allowing us to have a sustainable quality of life. Be with them, O God, for they also are putting their lives on the line so that many can benefit. And oh God, just be with us today as we receive your word, as we hear your word, but not just be hearers of the word, but then become doers of the word. God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Allow me to read those words again found in the Gospel of John in the 13th chapter, verses 34 and 35. And I just want to read the NRSV version one more time. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I love those words. Love one another as I have loved you. And by this, the world will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for each other. Today, I, I wanna lift up as a title for this, for this brief talk, I am a love revolutionary. If you've been following uh, some of the sermons over the past several weeks, you know that the title of the sermons have really been affirmations. I am a warrior, I am a storm stiller, and today, I am a love revolutionary. Jonathan Merritt, a writer for the Atlantic Magazine, wrote an article last week in which he said, some of the most visible Christians are failing the coronavirus test. He writes that in place of love, they offer stark self-righteous judgment. I wanna say that again. Merritt said that some of the most visible Christians are failing the coronavirus test, that in place of love, they're offering a stark, self-righteous judgment. And the truth is, from the minute this pandemic took hold of not just our country, but the world, many people have been straining to understand why this pandemic and why now. Many people of faith have been groaning to find the right words and to make sense of this moment that is marked by great grief and great misery, great chaos and great calamity, great pain and unending death, seemingly. And in the attempt to find words to capture the moment and for some to explain the moment because we know that many of us become uncomfortable with uncertainty. Many have discovered or declared reasons this is happening. 
Tragically, many of the reasons that have been uttered by many people who claim to love God and shaped by God and who claim to be followers of the carpenter have said things like, this is God's judgment upon humanity. That this is God's wrath because we are out of alignment. We no longer love God. We no longer follow God. And therefore, this pandemic is God's way of expressing God's displeasure in this moment. Now, I don't stand in a place of hypercriticism of those whose opinions are such. All of us are entitled to our own opinions, no matter who you are. And as believers, as Christians, our opinions about this moment abound. But I want to offer another idea, another notion, that instead of seeking to find ways that are steeped in self-righteous judgment and God's wrath and God's anger, and that somehow this is happening because we have fallen out of alignment with God, or God is angry at our behavior, just continue to press that idea. That five-month-old baby that I read about who passed away from COVID-19, what did that five-month-old baby do to bring God such displeasure? That grandmother who was a primary caretaker for her five grandchildren, what did she do in her sacrifice of raising her grandchildren, what did she do to bring about God's wrath? What did those senior members of our communities who have already been struggling with some uh, predisposed condition, who've passed away unexpectedly, some alone by themselves in hospitals or in homes with no one with them, and they passed away, they died alone. What was done that brought on that kind of death? I know, again, that we often find ways or seek to find ways to justify what is happening now or to explain what is happening now. But every now and again, we need to pause and ask ourselves, are these explanations that are steep in self-righteousness, that are steep in vindictive wrathfulness, is this the best way to understand God in this moment? You see, all of us who are Christians claim to be Christians. We claim to honor God. And most of all, we claim to follow Jesus. But it is a dangerous thing when we simply use Jesus's name as a tagline, but do not honor the teachings of the carpenter. I say that because in my journey, I have been now preaching for 30 years, pastoring for some 24 years, and I have heard all kinds of ways that we have sought to understand God, rationalize God. But for those of us who claim to be Christian, there's something important we must remember. If we believe that Jesus is the incarnation of God, that Jesus is the primary revelation of who God is, that means that what Jesus says and what Jesus teaches is reflection of who God is in the moment. And when we are introduced and meet the teachings of Jesus, we encounter not just the carpenter, but the carpenter who gives a nuanced, reimagined, profound way of understanding God. You see, the people that Jesus was ministering to, teaching to, were people who were often in fear of God. For them, God was a God of judgment. For them, God was a God of wrath. The priests, the rabbis would reinforce that through the law. And that was how the people in Jesus' time understood God. 
But then Jesus comes piercing through the prior understanding, piercing through the assumptions, piercing through what many believed as interpretations of the law, the Old Testament. And he begins to give us a reimagined understanding of this God. This God that Jesus spoke of was a God filled with grace and shaped by mercy and love. This God that Jesus spoke of was spoken about in narrative and story. God was like the father of the prodigal son, whom when the prodigal son went off to a far place and had spent all his money uh, in Jesus's story, the prodigal son comes back home and the father who represents God in the story, when he sees the son afar off, he welcomes the son, he embraces the son, he kisses the son, and he celebrates the return of the son. And the father says, this son of mine who was lost is now Found. Not one time does a father say, where have you been? Not one time does a father say, how did you spend your money? Not one time does a father say, why did you leave in the first place? The father celebrated the return of the son. And that's the image that, that Jesus gives us. He compares the kingdom and God to that person who had a lost sheep and a lost coin. He talked about the celebration when that which was lost is found. He even said in one occasion that he did not come, Jesus, to condemn the world, but he said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus introduces us to a way of understanding God that for broken, damaged, wounded people, is a bomb in Gilead. It restores us. It lets us know that we are cared for, that we are loved, that in spite of our mistakes and in spite of our frailties, in spite of our shortcomings, God's grace is real and God's mercy is real and God's love is real. And in many ways, it's that love of God as expressed through Jesus that was nurturing and nourishing. It was life-giving and sustaining. And to those who heard the words of the carpenter, it broke through the fear. It broke through the anxiety. It broke through, in many ways, the terror that God is love, that God is love, that God is love. And and God's grace is real in our lives. This is why when you come to this scene in John 13, it is really after the scene where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And afterwards, after he washes their feet, he then says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And the world will know you are my disciples by the way you love each other. Let those words sink into your soul and find a resting place in the spaces that love is necessary. A new commandment. Just as I have loved you, you love one another. And the world will know that you are my disciples. 
He did not say that the world will know that you are Baptist, that you are Methodist, that you are Presbyterian, that you are Lutheran, that you are Pentecostal. He does not use those denominational terms that we use to divide ourselves from one another. He said, the world will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another, that you are my disciples by the love you demonstrate toward one another. Those words, not from me, but from Jesus, suggest that in these times of terror and grief, we do not need to add to the pandemic mean-spiritedness, ruthless insensitivity, self-righteous judgment that dehumanizes and demoralizes those who are navigating their way through the minefield of trauma and fear. Maybe in this moment of COVID-19, Maybe Jesus' words are reminding us that what this world needs now to break through the chaos and to break through the calamity and to break through the terror are love revolutionaries. Maybe love revolutionaries become synonymous with, with disciples. And maybe we who claim to be disciples do not get hung up in the various labels we use for ourselves, the various denominational labels. Maybe, maybe this is a moment where we give birth to transcendent narratives that transcend those spaces where we've been divided and find ways to love, to love one another, not as Christian, not as other faiths, but as human beings. Maybe the world needs now disciples who understand their responsibility to be love revolutionaries. I am a love revolutionary. I believe that the love that I receive from God that flows through me can set the world on fire in ways that bind us instead of divides us. I believe that the world now, yes, we need a vaccine, and yes, we need a treatment plan, and yes, we need a cure. But in the midst of all that, we need love revolutionaries who understand the power, the transformative, the healing power of love. My brothers and sisters, maybe, maybe right now, you're being called to that assignment, to be a love revolutionary. Maybe this is what is required of this season. Maybe this is what God is looking for in this season. People who not just claim to be Christians, but people who follow the teachings of the carpenter and who hear those words even now, just as I have loved you love one another and the world will know that you are my disciples by the love you show for one another. Why is love so important? Love, love heals us, yes. There have been moments in my own life where I felt damaged and broken and weak and wounded and it was love that cut through all of my pain. And that love was healing. Healing. 
I, I cannot tell you, and I know I'm not the only one this morning who can testify that there's been times when love and the power of love has healed you back to a place of wholeness and sanity and wellness. Love heals us. Love holds us. Oh, to be kept by love, to be surrounded, to be enveloped, to be held by love and to be held by those who love you. There is nothing more powerful than to know that you are being held by the power of love, especially when the person and the thing that is holding you is another human being. And I know right now we may not be able to have face-to-face -face contact. We may not be able to hug and interface, but, but I can still hold you in the arms of my love and in the capacity I have to be a love revolutionary. Yes, love heals. Love holds and love helps us. It helps us as we seek to make sense of this moment. I can't tell you what love ought to look like for you, but I know how love can make you feel. And as you think about your assignment in this season, I'm not talking about your job or your responsibilities. Maybe your assignment in this season as a disciple is to be a love revolutionary. Let your love be healing. Let your love hold somebody in times of grief and mourning. Let your love be a source of help and encouragement and empowerment to others. Spend your time not trying to find ways to be negative or mean-spirited in this season. Why? Because negativity and mean-spiritedness just contributes to the toxicity that may already exist in your body because of fear and anxiety and panic and sickness. Don't add to the misery. Bring healing and hope to the space we may be in right now. Be a love revolutionary. Be a love revolutionary. Like I did last week, declare that with me. I am a love revolutionary. I believe in the power of my love to set the world on fire. I believe in the power of my love to heal those who are wounded in their spirit. I believe in the power of my love to set at right a world that has lost its way. That is what we are called to do in this season. Be love revolutionaries. I love the teachings of Jesus because in their simplicity, they are deeply profound. And the profundity of Jesus's teaching is shaped by the peace and calm that we feel when we encounter God in Jesus. Love one another just as I have loved you, the carpenter says. And by this, the world will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Have you shown somebody love today? Have you expressed yourself to someone in a loving manner? How many people today have you told that you love them? How many people have you sent a text to FaceTime? Those who may be in your house, did you say, I love you? 
Even now, we may not be able to hug, but I can sure give you a virtual hug and tell you that I love you. I know for some people it sounds corny and trite, but my God, worlds have been healed by love. People have been restored by love. People have been healed by love. And that same power that is healed, transformed, and restored is in you if you claim to follow the teachings of the carpenter. The world will know who we are, not by the clothes we wear, not by the churches we attend, not by the labels we appropriate, not by our socioeconomic status, not by the jobs we have, not by the money we may have, but the world will know who we are, disciples, love revolutionaries, by the love we have for one another. And I don't know about you, but in this season, I'm committed to letting the world see and know who I am. I am a love revolutionary. If not now, when? If not you, who? Be what you've never been. Go where you've never gone. And do what you've never done. And love like your life depended on it. Because that's what love revolutionaries do. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity and thank you for this time you've given us. Thank you for a moment, oh God, that you've poured into us and reminded us that if we're going to be disciples, we have to love one another and become love revolutionaries. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. And in the midst of a difficult season, thank you for your enduring presence. And most of all, thank you for the reminder of who you've called us to be love revolutionaries. We thank you, God. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. My brothers and sisters, till we meet again, don't forget, the world will know who we are by the love we show for one another. Peace and blessings. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.